I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Justice League by the Minute, a podcast that will soon be watching Zack Snyder's Justice League one minute at a time for an extensive deep dive analysis. However, if you are listening to this episode, you know already that this is not yet episode one. This is not yet minute one. We are still in the buildup to the movie, and thankfully we have arrived at... This feels like we didn't need to debate doing an episode for this one. We, we did a breakdown of some news, the Hallelujah teaser trailer, but now we have it. Zack Snyder himself calls it the first official trailer for the movie coming to HBO Max. And boy, uh, we have a lot to talk about. Obviously, we have to get into like every single frame of this thing. Yeah, and it's there's been a lot that has come out out shots from the movie and teasers and posters and stuff to show kind of how this is different from what people might expect but i would say this is probably the definitively the one that says oh you thought you knew what this is it's not what you thought it was and even people like me who have been just obsessively consuming everything about this movie for for three years there's there's stuff in this that i'm like wait when where does this fit in this movie (laughs) I don't even know. So um, so this is a, this one is a real treat. Yeah, I guess we, we should say, first question before we dive into this, now that we are approaching, we are in the full official rollout of this, I will ask you, Stephen, the question that I get asked the most about this. Is this thing a series or <laughs> is this thing a movie? Yeah, so that's the fun part about the fact that we aren't starting this on like minute one and we've actually been doing some news in the lead up is that there have been some some changes. So Snyder had announced a few months back that this was intended to be a four-part series, one hour each part, except now for a variety of reasons we don't need to get into, that has changed and it is it was always going to be a movie. It was going to be a series and then released as a single movie when the series was done, so less a series and more released in chunks. And now that is no longer the case. Now it is just going to be released as one solid four-hour movie. If you see it in theaters, you'll have a 10-minute intermission with a 10-minute music suite by Junkie XL, but otherwise like on HBO Max it's just going to be a straight four-hour movie. However, he engineered it in chapters this will be no surprise to those listening to our other podcast batman v superman by the minute you'd never believe it Zack snyder actually has broken this thing up into how many into discrete sections that may or may not be marked with a cut to black and a line of text yeah, exactly i mean think mankind is introduced to the superman except instead of happening at just the one moment it would happen um well i mean as you've seen in, in Imagine if uh, if you're an avid listener of BVS by the minute, if you're not, fix that. Um, but imagine if they had Mankind is introduced to the Superman and then stick another one at the end of like, must there be a Superman? Maybe that's even the title card. And then another one like <laughs> Granny's Peach Tea, maybe, you know, and <laughs> or, or, or today A Day for Truth maybe would be a great spot to stick one, etc. You know, this is going to be something along those lines. He said in an interview that he's designed it, I believe, as six chapters and an epilogue. That's not a that's not gonna be a post credit scene. That's just going to be a conclusion scene at the end of the movie. 
yeah, I have to say that at the process of breaking down BVS in the way that we've been doing the past few years on BVS by the minute makes me really anticipate aspects of this movie, such as that, especially oh, yeah. knowing that he's leaning into it and actually giving that you know, stuff that we've talked about and said, like, you know, visualize a title card here. Um, there's actually going to be title cards in this one for those sections. And uh, I guess I should say right off the bat that for people who have who have seen this trailer, we are not I'll say we're not going to go really off the deep end in terms of speculation or what this could be or what this could mean or everything that th this is related to in DC lore, because in reality, this is all footage from the movie. And we're going to be doing that, you know, when we have our comprehensive minute by minute breakdown right now, I I think that our goal is for everyone who knows what this is or everyone who is interested enough to seek out this podcast, we are going to be trying to explain what we know about what we are seeing here so that people listening and people waiting for the movie can kind of get an idea of where these things fit what or what could be confusing that we actually know enough to make it not confusing. So I think our goal is to not do a like lore explosion and, and just fan out, even though that's, that's great. And I know there will be a ton of podcasts doing that. Ours is probably more geared towards helping people understand everything that they are looking at in this trailer. Yeah. As it, as it pertains to the film itself, not necessarily the story or the DC lore at work, but in terms of as part of Zack Snyder's Justice League that will be on HBO Max, where does this fit? What am I looking at? Well, I think there's a number of opportunities here that we may be referencing the 2017 massacred version of this movie because especially because there's some reused shots in this i think you'd probably agree with me that we're much more interested in talking about Zack snyder's uh, fulfillment of his vision than how it was the, some how it weird was butchered. frankenstein's monster yeah exactly and that's i think that's going to be whatever referencing of that we do have in in this episode i would i think you you and i would agree is probably the last time we want to really lean much into that at all and the actual once we get going into the actual show next month um, I would hope that the majority of the episodes are not, can you believe they changed that? But instead actually celebrating <laughs> and appreciating and, and analyzing what is on the screen and not what was off the screen in 2017. Yeah. This is, this is a unique endeavor even in, in filmmaking and discussion because at, at this point it is very clear that what was released with the title Justice League reflected almost no part of what Zack Snyder originally filmed, what the actors performed, the story that the actors thought they were telling to a degree that I don't know has ever really been paralleled uh, in movie making. So it goes without saying that the release of this film will kind of wipe that version from existence, basically because at this point, nobody is wanting it not to be. Like when you're getting to the point of the footage being reworked and um, misrepresented in a, a release of the movie, that's just something that we're not interested in even exploring yeah. or, or breaking down or, or explaining because there is no explanation for it. And I will say, seeing this trailer was the first time I realized I was not adequately prepared for what an uncanny experience it was going to be seeing a trailer for a movie that I had a weird dream about <laughs> and that weird dream was a version of it that I saw in theaters yeah and I do think there's a there's a number of fascinating like forensic filmmaking analysis to be done contrasting the creative decisions and and filmmaking aspects and that it would be very suited for a number of you know youtubers that I know yeah of doing side-by-side -side comparisons and storytelling comparisons. What and was unmade 
from from Snyder's yeah, exactly. footage. Yeah, and I'm so excited to look at those. That's not w- what we're going to primarily focus on, though. No. Um, and so where where we have the opportunity, we'll definitely plug those. Anyway, I think probably ready to get into the uh, the actual trailer itself, though. Unless there's any other news or anything to to cover before we force people to wait this long for us to start breaking this thing down shot by shot. <laughs> so, all right, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. How do you know your team's strong enough? If you can't bring down the charging bull and don't wave the red cape at it. Fittingly, we open this movie with, we've talked about this before on on previous episodes, what will be the opening of the movie. Right. So this is incredibly poetic that just as Man of Steel ended with the battle of Batman v Superman kind of overlapped that with Bruce, we are now going to be at the start of Justice League returning to the finale once again from Bruce's perspective, from one from Bruce's perspective of Superman's death and which he kind of contextualizes at the end of of BVS itself, but also as this footage now shows that the moment of Superman's death and now that I stop to think about what would the death cry of Superman dying, that would have to have some kind of effect on the world. And the effect is a literal shockwave, <laughs> a literal shockwave blasting out across the surface of the planet. Right. And as uh, and this particular moment, I believe also is you see this in like, look at all the light around in Batman v Superman, this is when you hear his cry right as that Hans Zimmer score dun, dun, really dun. kicks it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ah! yeah. And, um, and there's a beam of light just blasts through. And and this is this is that right before the dun dun and then he falls down. And our understanding, and I, th- I believe what, what Zack Snyder has actually said, is that this is what his cry awakens the, the dormant mother boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that implied. People are going to want to know exactly what that means. I think we won't know what that means until we see the movie. Yeah. And if we even do then, I mean, it's clearly, this is like one of those Excalibur moments yeah. to yeah. me where this is like a, a John Borman, Zack Snyder moment of, <laughs> of like, like, why does that happen? Cause it's a mythic epic story. That's why it happens. Yeah. You know, why does, why does the ring make Frodo invisible? Uh, that's the way Sauron made it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sure somebody has a better answer for that, but the point is, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that, if there is an answer, we will talk about that more in the actual show. I'm kind of assuming that the, we watch this cry ripple out and I would assume it's, we knowing that Gotham and Metropolis are across a harbor, I would expect to see that because this, yeah. this pulls a little switch over from here where it, it's showing the cry going out across the waters and then the mascara, but we also know, I don't know if you want to get talking into that, that that is not meant to say, like, Hippolyta hears Superman. Right. Well, what what Zach has said in a, in a recent interview, I think it's the Minutemen YouTube channel. It's an Italian channel. But I don't know. I don't want to jump the gun and say it's a Watchmen-style opening sequence, but the way that this is, the visual effects are conducted in this looks very surreal oh, yeah. Yeah. in that way. And he said that we're going to follow Superman's scream and we're going to see... Around the world. We're going to see Lex talking to Steppenwolf. We're going to see Cyborg hearing it in his apartment. You know, we're going to see all these different things. And um, it sounds like a montage, right? It sounds like a Snyder montage. Yeah. We will see how yeah, how his death um, triggers things and affects people that hear it. Yeah. And we are here for it. 
Uh, that is a very exciting thing. I'm I'm hoping that it opens with a with a montage. We do go from there, and we see Hippolyta on the cliff of Themyscira, and she is watching. And we we didn't talk about this ahead of time because we're kind of going through this, but I believe yeah. this is the Citadel collapsing into the sea that was seen in Justice League, where Steppenwolf shows up. They have the battle for the Mother Box. Sort of. I actually have a theory about this that I I, I actually I wrote this the, the breakdown on ScreenRant.com. So go check that out and a lot of we'll recap a lot of that here as well but one thing i didn't cover and that i might go and update it even is people are wondering if if this is a fallout of steppenwolf fighting in the um, i always forget the name of it but it's got a fancy name i have to look it up what zach calls it is cool but anyway it's, it's where they house the mother box and where steppenwolf boom tubes right you are referring to the amazons on horseback that are all quietly standing and watching this thing crumble Right. And so the context of this is people wonder, like, this clearly does not happen part of. as a direct fallout or a part of the battle. I think, so we've seen a clip um, of Steppenwolf, like, massacring Amazons with, like, 300-style blood spurts and, and stuff. So my so what I'm realizing looking back on this, especially looking at Hippolyta standing over here looking, the Amazons are immortal, right? Yep. Ex- unless they're fallen in battle. I think that's her tomb. Yeah. Right? I think they put all the dead Amazons in that and shove it off into the ocean. Well, they have nothing left to protect. Because they don't have a way to bury, right? They don't have a, a cemetery yeah. on the island, right? And there's no purpose to this anymore. It's now a mausoleum instead of a yeah. shrine or a, a vault. And so it's like a burial at sea that we're seeing here, I think. Yeah. I had that thought with the uh, the women watching, which are yeah uh, certainly not the masses, you know, that, that are seen elsewhere in this trailer. So uh, Steppenwolf going to do some damage. But that does connect into stuff we're going to see later in the movie. But we go from there to you asked for it, you demanded it. <laughs> yes, a return to the nightmare. Oh, this makes me so happy, and it looks like it's a lot, a lot more too, like a lot more fleshed out. Like in Batman, the in in Batman v Superman, the nightmare sequence covers. Um, if you include Flash time traveling to tell Bruce Lois is the key, if that's included, it's a it's five total minutes. It covers. Uh, what, what do I want to say? Minute seventy, minute sixty something through sixty eight. Yes, through um through seventy three ish. Sixty five, I feel like stands out as nightmare. Yeah, and we interviewed uh, Richard Citrone um on BVS by the minute. If you haven't listened to that, check it out. It was a very short, deliberate sequence, and just the nature of this early shot of Batman feels like we're going to get a little bit more story and explanation behind what's happening here and how and why, which is really exciting. And also, there were. Uh, four to five minutes added to the movie on top of the three and a half ish hours of unseen Snyder footage that were added to the movie via additional photography in October of 2020. And that was mostly nightmare stuff. And it's actually really cool because you can see, so Snyder was the DP for that. And I believe he uses the same lens that he's using on army of the dead. I was going to bring that up for this shot of Bruce, which is, yeah, it's this, it's the Canon dream lens and they gave him a custom mount for it because it's actually a photography lens the field of view on this is like razor thin and basically you have like a couple feet of where it will um, actually be in focus yeah and everything in front of and behind of that is out of focus and so that's why you get this really soft focus and blurred background which is also convenient for hiding yeah um 
production value for something like the nightmare where it's so grand but it's also beautiful and with this like a lot of this movie feels like it's shot in like golden hour where it's just this warm gold glow but that was we heard that from the i mean the early marketing for for the film when before he had yet to leave it right there yeah, was a lot yeah, of talk and, about that golden hour filmmaking. Yeah, and it's and and especially with this lens, it's really prone to like lens flares and lens artifacts and stuff as well cuz it's like a vintage 70s lens so you get a lot of the character in it. So it's so fitting for like the for the nightmare. So one of the I'm going to use one of my limited Whedon references here. It's sh- there are complaints about the color in your movie and you're delivered I don't know if, if this is additional photography or even even some of the stuff that was shot in 2016 looks this way. If you're delivered this and you want a more colorful movie they turned it into this oversaturated like salmon palette like this literally orange and pink were like the predominant colors in that movie and it's just i don't i it would be easier to talk about if i had a good explanation for why i think that's all i'll say about that it's just i don't get it but here's we also get the voiceover of of batman i had a dream like a premonition of an attack coming from far away you know and that's what that's what the nightmare is yeah this shot is what made me remember oh right larry fong is not the director of photography because because i hadn't gotten that real Realization to see what what Fabian Wagner had done because so much of his footage was thrown out that now we also get Zach's eye, uh, which is like you know the the blasphemous way would be to say that it gives a music video feel because that means it doesn't look conventional. It's just using lenses that are not the most standard that exactly. you can imagine. Well, and on that point, and it's something that we, I think, talked way too much about last time, is um, the aspect ratio on this right. is also very not conventional, and it's a it's a it's almost a complete square. It's a 1.33 to 1, I think. And a lot of these shots, it hypothetically could be cropped down to something that's widescreen, but there's a few of them, particularly like the nightmare shots of Batman later, where there's really no good way to crop it down. And if you watch... Once again, if you watch the theatrical cut, everything feels cramped. The the cinematography, it's not just, like you just said, it's weird because it's unconventional, but it's not just unconventional there. It's its like when you see someone, someone showing you pictures and they're and they, they, they zoomed in too far on yeah. everything because it was not shot to be cropped at, at widescreen. It was always supposed to be the IMAX ratio. Anyway, so we're, <laughs> uh, I, think, I think, trailing way off of the actual footage here, but we get in the nightmare sequence, I think the big thing that we get here is the, the we left off the nightmare in Batman v Superman with these, there's that one shot fight sequence and, and it's just, we, were t- we talk about how it blows our mind that the camera pans around and as it goes around, all of a sudden you've got helicopters coming in and dropping parademons and yep. the sky just like opens up and it's like, whoa, this is way bigger than we thought. You thought that was big. Now we've got apocalyptian drop ships. Yeah zooming across the sky with lens flare towards a ruined cityscape oh man i'm here for this yeah it intercuts that along with bruce's dialogue to diana finding the amazon shrine that this was we know this is the the arrow that is fired from her mother to the temple knowing that diana will see this signal for what it is and she goes there and as we saw in the previous trailer she literally follows it where it is placed down yeah. into the temple to discover murals which Zack Snyder has shared on social media already of, of oh, Dark, Dark Side. Side. Yeah. No, but we found in October 2018 the production artist had shared but like the 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 production images of this set and if you would translate the Greek it tells the entire story of the history lesson. That's one of those big Snyder cut things where it's like, "Whoa, this was bigger than we realized." To really make sure that the audience understood along with Diana understanding what is actually coming that they're going to be 
be dealing with. Yeah, exactly. And so so we've established like there's the nightmare and there's the future invasion, but then we're seeing Diana here showing oh no, this isn't the first time Darkseid attacked. And this first shot here, once again, another great use of the 4-3 aspect ratio with these tall pillars and Diana standing there with the arrow. I do love the little bit of irony, though, of the notion that, and this is a, like, people say that Zack Snyder movies don't have enough humor. So Hippolyta fires an arrow. I assume if they do this the same way, because this is kind of, this is another mythological thing. Fires this arrow from Themyscira, and it goes to the Temple of Athena, and Wonder Woman becomes aware of it and goes to recover it. And she goes down into this shrine or whatever where there's these murals that tell the story about the time that the Amazons, these mythical races, the Amazons and Atlanteans, united with the tribes of men comprised of like the Mongols and samurais and Vikings and 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 Zulu warriors and like every corner of the world brings these tribes together to unite against Darkseid's invasion and the gods of Olympus join them and Ares fights Darkseid and there's green lanterns and wow this is huge and the story is told down here <laughs> but outside of the Temple of Athena, it's like a tourist attraction and there's <laughs> gates right there. And like yeah. that story, and that's just such a bit of like visual irony that like contextualizes the grandness of this world versus... They don't remember it. it, it the memory is lost, right? And he, he even shared a photo of this from a different angle on a, a while back where you can see there's actually security guards that she sneaks past <laughs> to get in here. And, and I just absolutely love that that idea yeah well and i assume these fences are here we can also see where there was a fire i think we get we get news footage in the movie of the arrow setting off this uh, these flames yeah as an actual signal fire that are here (laughs) hippolyta can do that because she knows absolutely nobody else in the world will understand what this means except my daughter right and we won't have she won't get to have the storybook you know scene of, of walking her through the history but she kind of is doing the next best thing you know hundreds of miles away and uh and then we cut to inside the shrine once again it's the torchlight and the and the gold foil is just this beautiful gold color and then you've got like the red and the murals it's so i love i love 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 the color in this i i can't wait until people claim that there's no color in this movie <laughs> and uh and we see the mural of dark side which once again every time i see that in color anyone that knows that that was like floating around in black and white for years dark side warning of or, or talking about the, his invasion and the there's a little reference to the mother boxes there. Yeah, I guess the the thing to contextualize here is that Diana finding this is the context for all of this ancient battle footage that is in the movie. Yeah. That, that is the battle that we are going to see. And we're going to talk about more of that as we get to it in the actual trailer later on. And I'll say as far as placement in the movie also from outside the trailer context, some storyboards have been released um, of different parts of the movie. And the storyboard that shows the vikings burying the mother box is numbered so it makes sense for me that she discovers the mural she reads the description of the history lesson as we see it played out on screen possibly with a voiceover from her and then she goes and tells bruce and that's why she says like there's an attack coming yeah speaking of that oh yeah so this is the first moment where i guess we, we saw a tease of this a few days ago but this is, I think, the first moment in the trailer where I th- people better be saying, like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> this movie was gonna what? Or is gonna what? I mean, this is... So we've got the armies 
of Apocalypse with their banners. Yeah, well, if you look at the windows too, you see those yeah. are Dark Side's face yeah. in the in the in the windows, and then the banners in and the front of the hall with the he's encircled in, in by the Omega symbol, and then at the very front of the hall we have an even more dramatic Omega symbol fire pits. And 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 the once again gold everything is just bathed uh, there's like in a this cathedral golden look to the hour light streaming in and um and the runway lights on the um it's like the best fashion show ever yep <laughs> um and also you know you'll notice the different size and shapes of the parademons I think because they've been conquering I imagine conquering different planets and turning the people into parademons and that's why as we commented on in BBS by the minute you've got like the locust looking ones versus the big brute looking ones that like punch Bruce down and then we here we have dark side walking it looks like his throne is at the end of the runway behind him are his master torturer desad and (laughs) granny goodness with her mega rod what is bittersweet news for people like me i think it is safe to get across early on that this will absolutely be the tease uh this is this is illustrating what is what would be coming when apocalypse came to earth himself yes to say that this is going to this is uh, setting up what will take place in the movie is sadly inaccurate. This would be a tease of now the actual threat is coming. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we I know Dasad has some dialogue. Yeah, he's played by Peter Guinness. Uh, Ray Porter plays Darkseid, and his voice is gonna be awesome i don't believe granny goodness is going to have any significant at least yeah that would need to be a a, a more fleshed out character i think if it's an it's an actual flesh and blood actress that yeah, would, I would play expect, that character yeah i would expect this to be more of a placeholder at this point particularly on her part but should this story be continued this is saying oh yeah granny goodness is part of the story yeah yeah i'm, I'm very curious about what we kind of get as far as the other new gods stuff here that may not have been revealed yet. Speaking of New God stuff that hasn't been revealed yet, it's also possible that in Darkseid's throne or whatever you want to call it anyway, we get in the following shot, the one that was most interesting to me, which was the the inexplicable slab of, of stone that was in Steppenwolf's kind of, you know, hive that he took over in that Russian city. Or town. In the next shots is revealed to be, I don't know what you would call this, it's like a three, the most intense video phone you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of when Steppenwolf communes with uh, Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah, yeah. However, I'm not sure, is that Darkseid or is that uh, Desaad who he's talking to there? It looks like he's wearing the kind of sh- Desaad's like robes. I would I would assume if Desaad has arms like that, then that is yeah, I was gonna say, truly troubling. Those aren't those are not Darkseid's arms. Yeah. However, that makes more sense because Desaad is well, and we know that from the early early trailers before, like back in 2017, the no lanterns, no Kryptonians. That is dialogue between Steppenwolf and Desaad as he reports back to Earth. And so, if it's not this moment, then we get a few moments like this, and that is what he's delivering here. A delivering that is in the, in the most interesting twist for this trailer for me is Steppenwolf falling to his knees, armor receding away from his actual skin form. And he looks so much... It's, 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 weird. it's interesting because it's like the same... This is the actual design that we got in the... Well, I guess actually these are actual horns instead yeah, of a horn Yeah, this is his helmet. head, not a helmet but the, the actual face is like the same design but looks way better and also he's jacked like yeah. beyond i guess i don't know what 
Jack looks like for his species, but those look like traps. True. I've never even Dark Side even also. So yeah, you you can't really get to yeah. the top unless you you get the gains. But I like the receding armor. It reminds me of like I, I think I compared it earlier to a like a dog with its ears going back yeah. or like putting its tail between its legs. It feels very. He's kneeling and he's he's like his armor is is receding. It feels like such a moment of submission i think it's very clear that he is out of favor with the other new gods and he is um not on the top of the food chain <laughs> yeah and also props to the effects people who made it recede like uh asymmetrically that was a big thing for for Zack snyder in uh, man of steel was establishing the krypton was alien to us is organic to those aliens that sounds crazy but to see it demonstrated here is actually oh i get it that's very clear yeah. now what that means i also like the um the parademons in this you get a variety of parademon looks the, the kind of some zombie looking ones but ones also with wings ones that is you, you see one with four arms down here in the bottom left corner of that wide shot but then you also have them like clinging to the walls so once again where i think we're going to get away i feel like there was just one version of parademon basically in the in the theatrical cut but lots of um different uh i think different types but also different stages of of parademon here also this is now where what we're going to see happening here in this is that the effects heavy shots many of them were retained because they were plot relevant so like the next we can say the next sequence we're moving into is what people are familiar with which is the amazons trying to elude steppenwolf with the mother box him foiling that plot and then unleashing on them we did get to see a prolonged look at the fighting that Zack Snyder shared to social media personally. This is kind of where the R rating is probably going to, to factor in oh, more. Oh, yeah. At this point, you know, we could skip through this whole thing and say, like, if you saw the movie, you get all this. Uh, you know, yeah. there are little things like the Steppenwolf's axe is actually an electro axe. Like, there are, you know, streams of electricity coming off of it at different times. And But from the broad view, you have Hippolyta seeing him arrive, him slashing away at the Amazons that are catching up. We we know what this is, but you can expect that yeah. this to be more brutal than we definitely have, have seen before and get across the point that uh, if Steppenwolf is going to turn out to be an underwhelming and disappointing Apocalyptian lieutenant, the fact that he can fight this way and, like you said, fill up that mausoleum. Understandably, Bruce Wayne deduces merely from what he's thought about this that he's going to need warriors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's similar to the theatrical cut. It happens at the beginning because he's still got a beard here. Yep the warriors what he'll be needing uh, as, yeah. we, as we go through all of the main stars at least wonder woman well i guess the ones that are already warriors right i guess flash and and cyborg maybe aren't warriors but aquaman and uh and wonder woman are the shot of aquaman zooming through the water and rescues it looks like he's rescuing mara in like the nick of time yeah the axe i don't know if those are two connected shots if he actually zooms it that's how he arrives at that battle or if we are cutting from him zooming in one place to another shot of the actual battle. Regardless, this this look of him stopping the axe and glaring at Steppenwolf there, prime. Like, that's one of the... It's so good, and it, it, it's... <laughs> I'm going to have to reference it again, just that the, the theatrical cut, it's... He looks... There's a moment that explicitly is memeable for looking like the Zoolander mermaid scene. And I'm not... Like, it, it's, it's funny... Not because it's like a funny comparison, but because it literally looks like the same thing. Like, I, I feel like maybe they're even intentionally referencing it <laughs> to, yeah. that, to that level of like, oh, this would be funny if we made a if we made a, a Zoolander Easter egg here. Not not the case 
not the case in this movie. Also answering the question of what does underwater electricity look like? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's sum up sum up this one by saying Jason Momoa as Aquaman, Aquaman underwater still looks like a badass. Check. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Speaking of badass. Yeah. Well, it, this is not full battle mode cyborg. No, not so that word, that term should be used sparingly. Right. Cyborg will have a face shield um, that covers his face, or I think as, as Snyder has said, covers the soft the soft parts right. of him that are left. So you know he's got barely any torso or arms and a head, and so he's a gun now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so his his body is entirely um, cy- well, cyber mechatronic. I think is what they say in in one of the trailers. And so, so his face is still vulnerable, but it, it will cover up to protect it. It's not here. This is purely offense, not yeah, defense. I think this. I, I think this is probably nightmare based on like the color scheme. Yeah, it looks like the car behind him might even be the car from Batman that Batman was standing in before, which is in itself a, a massive revelation that Cyborg is going to be either up against or teaming up with, or in some way crossing paths with Bruce Wayne in the nightmare. Well, we can talk about that a little bit more later, but we, we get an explicit answer to that. I will say one of this, this shot has drawn a lot of um, comments because the CGI I think stands out against the rest, especially against the rest of it is like the most, I'd say maybe incomplete. Jeez. So I think the, the two things I'll say about that are one, my understanding is most movies, but especially this movie, they're going to continue rendering and working on that kind of VFX stuff. Um, all the way up until like the day before it. You know, that's the benefit of like going up on a streaming service is that, you know, you don't have to be done until you're ready to upload it. And the other thing is that this would be a shot likely from additional photography in October 2020, which means it is like less than four months old. And so there's a few things I notice here, like the armor seems to be like the facets in his armor are always a big indicator because that it was designed to be like highly faceted and like highly reflective. Yeah, what how many layers of refraction are, do we have checked off? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that it's toned down a little bit in this shot in order to be a little bit less render heavy. And then also his face has a little bit of that Iron Man MCU like Iron Man floating head thing going Man, on. Man, you're this is the the amount of criticism people can have well, about a I, half a second. I know. Well, and I'm I'm pointing it out merely cuz it's things that are people are commenting on and I feel like if they're going to be listening, they're going to want to hear our, our thoughts on that. I'm not bothered by it cuz like you said it's a half a second, but also they're going to continue rendering it and I anticipate the face shield is about to come down also. Um outside of all of that, the shot itself I think is badass. Cyborg's four arms is something that we never got in the movie. And here we've got literally one is holding like a band. Like he's got his two arms. One is turned into a gun. Then his two extra, his two, his his little arms, the little hand is holding his um, belt, a bandolier. Yeah. And the other one, if you look at that cannon, when it comes down, it's actually being held from a handle on the top by a hand, which is like, I don't know. Yeah. That is a standalone gun. Yeah, I don't know if that's a part of his body. I think that's actually a gun, an additional gun that Cyborg carries with him. Yeah, that another arm is holding the ammunition for. Yeah. Which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just yeah, I mean, it's, it, he is a human gun already, but but now he's got two arm, two extra arms on his back to hold this 
yeah massive cannon i don't it's not a gun look at how big the yeah 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 the end of that is it is it is a bazooka or missile launcher or something speaking of firepower so, uh, yeah right so i think i don't know how much of the, these next shots are really worth breaking down because we've seen this type of thing we get you know that shot of flash we've seen a million times yep then we get some batmobile zooming through Being the streets handled by the parademons yeah exactly steppenwolf jumping up and slashing at wonder woman we've seen that before the difference is it's not a costume it's, it, i mean the 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 model the appearance of of the character i think it is notable that one of the lines in the theatrical cut at that moment is um um what does he say my dear or like my axe is still slick with the, the blood, blood of, of your, your sisters. sisters yeah um and so now that we've actually seen his axe literally spill spray the the blood of yeah. her sisters i think that's gonna gonna hit a lot harder and then my favorite part of the trailer <laughs> As anyone who, who we're gonna say this a lot, as anyone who listens to Batman v Superman by the know. minute knows, yeah. Jeremy Irons as Alfred Pennyworth delivering dialogue written by Chris Terrio is Chef's kiss. Just and of, I think part of what's so great about this in general is just we've been we were deprived of this in the in the theatrical cut, and then we have been obsessing over this kind of stuff for two years with BVS by the minute, but to get brand new, never before heard Chris yeah. Terrio dialogue delivered by Jeremy Irons was such, it was something I'd forgot to be excited for. <laughs> and it pops up with his voiceover and he says, I got to look up the exact line just because as, as with anything Chris Terrio, it's, it's, it's very specifically worded. What he says, if you can't bring down the charging bull you don't wave the red cape at it and now let's let's overlay this with steppenwolf charging yes followed by with, the, with blue eyes yeah followed by just we'll, we'll get into that but respectively steppenwolf charging and then literally that hologram of superman with the cape floating yeah. paired up with those lines perfectly it, just, it couldn't be anywhere for and with a flash of jeremy irons just because we can't leave him out of this trailer altogether yes <laughs> And and also included in there is um, quick shot of Aquaman um, stabbing at him with the trident. Yeah. I really did want to emphasize. I didn't want to skip over how dope Steppenwolf looks in that shot where, oh, where yeah. he I starts mean, off charging. I don't mean to diminish it because I realize this is often used as a as a criticism, and this, and that's not why I'm saying it. But he looks like a like a video game boss. But like in a in a in the good the way, good one. yeah, yeah, the good way, yes. <laughs> like like a, like a he looks like a video game boss from a cinematic, not a video game boss from gameplay. <laughs> yeah, where you would he would come charging at you, and you would say, "Oh, I just start running because you have no idea how in the world you're supposed to bring this guy down." Which I guess Aquaman does encounter because he comes flying in, and then Seven Wolf just like sidesteps him. And we don't get a ton of Aquaman in this, but I will say. His uh, Aquaman's costume, and you see this a lot in the, in the theatrical cut, that Zach will design things a certain way that when he has them designed, whenever Michael Wilkinson designs costumes, and, and you even see this like with Batman's cowl, is that they're, it's designed to be shot and lit a certain way. Aquaman's uh, Justice League costume is not Michael Wilkinson's most popular work by any stretch. I think it's one of the people have been generally generally critical of it and even even to the point where I'm like you know what it's not I don't think it's bad but I do think it is maybe lacking compared to like especially compared to like what they pulled out for for him in his solo movie oh yeah and I would I I would probably say the opposite I prefer this over the theatrical oh really yeah I only said that though because in this split second that you see him and the way the color grade and the way that it's lit makes me look at it and say oh wow 
that actually pops in a way that I think, I think that's the biggest thing about the, the the theatrical cut version is that the color it just feels like a solid green like it doesn't have texture or color or or anything but in this in the single shot where he's it, it's you see the 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 lining like the lacing of it and and it looks way more gold i think a lot a lot more of the gold in it stands out than um than normal well yeah and there's like um not to get not to get too, well, if we're getting into the weeds about anything, it should be Jason Momoa's body. So, yeah, <laughs> I, in this one, like what you're saying is he flashes across the screen, but you can read his anatomy perfectly yeah. because of this. Right. Not only the A of the belt pops out more than anything, but if if you stop it when he's kind of plunging his his quindent into the ground, the armor simulates the musculature down yes. to like the a is where if this was momoa you would definitely see uh i don't know what you call them either are they still dimples when it's a guy <laughs> like you would see um, that triangle of his lower back yeah there are separate pieces for his calf muscles that are yes. that are straining you can just see everything perfectly even though it's happening in a flash yeah and if and if i were to describe the costume prior to this shot i I don't think I would emphasize the gold lining hmm. on the costume or the gold, the gold detailing. I would say there's gold detailing, but I wouldn't like looking at this shot. The gold detailing is more predominant than the green underlay. On yeah, it. as soon as you put it under light and move. Yeah, and a lot of that I think is contrast also. And the same thing I think I think applies to Steppenwolf's armor here. At, with it's it it's a single color right like his armor doesn't really have color but when you see when the light hits it and you have that high contrast there's this texture to it that's just amazing yeah and i think that that's something per your point also that snyder has a first of all his his um his storyboarding and pre-visualization all keyframes are, are a big part of the way he constructs his scene blocking but also his understanding of physique and maybe obsession with like bodybuilders and statues and he gets those I think for superhero movies, people reduce it down to hero poses. But when you look at it in the larger sense of statuesque poses and how humans look best, you see it earlier when Steppenwolf hits the Amazon off for a horse. Oh, he yeah. has a like golf swing, perfect form, like pivot at the waist, elbows low to the body form that looks like a bodybuilder pose. I mean, the word statuesque is because that's what classical sculptors, the way they would sculpt the human body in a heroic form, like every single frame of Steppenwolf in that shot could be like a statue of Hercules or yeah, exactly. Aquaman coming in here, you know, the exact same thing. Or an old photo of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. And I think that's something that, that also goes to make the CG character models more believable mm -hmm. because you can see those muscles following. flex. Exactly. Whereas the part you get, you don't get that same rubber banding kind of unrealistic movement that you get in a lot of other ones, a lot of other like CGI creatures because of uh, that lack of uh, attention to that. Anyway. Well, and also the fact that like, here's this guy, he's all silver. Oh, okay. Uh, he's going to be carrying an ax that glows. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, this will be a, a total light show when this actually kicks off. Well, and the reliance, the visual language relying so much on the flashes of light and like the lighting and the contrast, I think becomes way more evidence with using even identical footage Snyder's color grade process and use of high contrast makes this stuff pop in a way that another filmmaker even though they're using Snyder's footage another filmmaker handling the editing and and digital color manipulation process can't 
produce no, you something that looks this way. You wouldn't know why. You wouldn't know the purpose it was made for. Yeah. As we move out of the fight between Aquaman and Wonder Woman and, and Steppenwolf, we get mostly footage that we've seen pretty prominently in, in early trailers. I don't even know how to talk about... I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about the criticism, so I guess we shouldn't, but the fact that this is this look is criticized for not looking like Darkseid, because especially when you look at this close-up shot here, it's like... Oh, I mean, he looks exactly like... it's Yeah, I don't even know where you would nitpick. Like, he looks more like Darkseid than many comics do. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, then, like, even back to Jack Kirby's original design of Darkseid. Yeah. Like, this is the this is the face. Yeah, I mean, the scowl, the eyes, the face yep. mask thing. Thing. It, it looks more like Darkseid than, like, even, like, some video game models do. But even cooler than that is... And we didn't talk about this on our previous unveiling of him. This is a dark side that even comic fans don't get to see. The ancient prehistory battle dark side. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. This is Uxus. Yes, exactly. Pre- before he became dark side. Yeah, because the, the symbols that we see on the ground that most of it represents the anti-life equation includes a giant like glyph. Of the, of the Omega symbol, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, the Omega symbol is directly tied to the Omega. Oh, yeah, I guess it's the, <laughs> I answered my own <laughs> question there because it's the same. So, yeah, so I don't know exactly how that works with him being Uxus versus being no, Darkseid. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm much less interested in that than I expect some fans to be. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I think that, that you know, he's not wearing the armor here. He's he's like... He's fighting himself. Yeah, right. And then we get our um, our Jonathan Kent photograph cameo yeah and and my my body aches knowing that there was something there was a part of this movie that is more jonathan kent that i'm oh god i'm not prepared for this i'm still not prepared oh, right for exactly this. well even that that exact again the that exact shot is in the theatrical cut but yeah. we get that the gold once again the color the coloring is like with that gold glow now that i know that that rebirth chamber is gonna be another one of those gold colored scenes is um amazing and then we get victor stone in a astral plane or whatever you're gonna the grid returning to his uh residual self-image yeah his idealized Uh, (laughs) his idealized self i think what i like about the way this trailer presents victor stone and cyborg is a sort of inverted superman where superman's arc in this story has always been he's an alien who is seeking his place in the world he lost his parents, but he found an adopted family, and his arc is finding out how he fits or how he belongs in humanity. Whereas Victor Stone has a family that he loses, and he gains powers that he doesn't understand. Um, he had a place in the world that is taken away from him, and so he's learning to cope with that, which is kind of on the opposite end of, of the spectrum. And Zach has said that he's his powers basically make him the most powerful. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's suggested that he's, like, maybe even more powerful than Superman, which I think is... And Zach's favorite superhero character, period, I believe he said is Dr. Manhattan, and I feel like we're going to get a lot of Cyborg, yep. a lot of that in Cyborg. Singularity-type, you know, cosmic awareness. Is this where we get the Jonathan voiceover? Yes, so that's... That's where I think that's where that starts, where Jonathan is giving his um, you got to decide what kind of man you want to be. Yeah, I mean, and that perfectly like just to, to what you're saying there, it speaks to Superman. This line is going to have weight for Superman, obviously. But just if you're talking about Cyborg and Aquaman and Wonder Woman, right. this well, is applying to Superman's here. father figure, whereas like Cyborg's father figure is a big problem for his character, right? I mean, we've seen in the other trailer, we, we see Silas dying, but then you have Superman's other father figure who delivered the, um, they will race behind you, they will stumble, they will fall. And so 
you kind of get a hint of that also where with Jonathan saying, decide, you know, what kind of man you want to be. And then you get these other heroes being heroic, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Then we get the Flash saving Iris with um, hot dogs flying all around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hot dogs and lightning. I think it goes to communicate how much like a single line of dialogue can actually add uh, a new thematic layer to the overall story here of these heroes coming together. Now, can we get to the part that I've been waiting to talk about? Are you talking about shirtless Henry Cavill? No, I'm not, <laughs> not talking about shirtless Henry Cavill, although we can confirm that. You have to spend the rest of your life figuring out what, 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 what kind of man you're going to be. Yeah. What's your purpose? Why are you here? Exactly. And that is specifically overlaid against Lois holding her hand out to him. And then we get to the nightmare world where things have fallen apart. And that's where he says, she was my world and you took her from me. So I think that's obvious. His, his purpose is to, to love Lois <laughs> yeah. is what he thinks his purpose is. I mean, I just want to talk about both the black suit Superman and the return to, you know, the, the stones rising around yeah, him. Yeah, steel and the dirt on the coffin rising we now get the total payoff of henry cavill's superman drawing stones off of the ground to him to his hand implying a a level of awareness of his own powers and superhuman essence that i am just mind blown well it's interesting we just for us in real time we just recorded where the capital bombing happens and he takes off from there and you just commented in that how he no longer just takes off and has this like shockwave on the ground that he actually slowly lifts he's demonstrating a greater grasp of his power there and that's you know that would be like superman year two or whatever. Well, this is like, if you want to talk about what Zack Snyder has been doing, this is a direct callback to that shot in Man of Steel that everyone said, what the heck is going on here? And yeah. now here's Superman literally taking control of it. The last time we saw this effect was the very last frame of... I'm doing my best synth. My best <laughs> synth chimes coming in. The very last frame of... Um, Batman v Superman, where the dirt starts to rise up off the coffin. So uh, there's obviously... It, uh, his his power is transcending his physical form, which is uh, fascinating. Yeah, and then also the fact that that comes at the tail end of Jonathan talking about him finding his purpose is, is key. Especially because I was just talking about the cyborg inversion. So it's really cool here then to see we get that first flight callback, we get Find, spend the rest of your life finding out your purpose. And then he, the, there's the first flight callback and then he takes off and then it's a match cut to Cyborg, who Zach has said is the heart of the movie. This is setting Clark up as the Jonathan to Victor's Clark. Well, and when, when people talk about Zack Snyder's plan, there's a lot of confusion about, was it a shared universe, like a Marvel style 20 film, 30 film thing? It was five movies, not a Justice League series. It's a Superman series. Okay. This is this is dangerously threatening straying off of our let's focus on the trailer. No, <laughs> I, I, I realize that, but I'm going to keep it to less than 30 okay. seconds. I'm going to tie it into this shot. Okay. And it's, it's a Superman story. There's been some criticism that like bringing in the Justice League characters distracts from that or minimizes their relevance. But what he said when he was asked about a Justice League movie during the Man of Steel promotion 
is he said, well, look, if we're going to do Justice League, the first thing you have to do is get Superman's house in order because Superman is at the top and everything else falls into place under him. And so contextualizing every single one of these characters as on the totem pole beneath Superman, emulating him or being guided or inspired by him is a part of Superman's story. So Cyborg finding himself here is just as much a part of Superman's story and who Superman is and how he's an inspiration as it is part of Cyborg's story. So maybe that was longer than 30 seconds, but <laughs> you can't do this with the everyone gets their own trilogy and then you bring them together in a team-up movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 I think anything more would be throwing too much shade, but that's why this is structured the way that it is. Yeah. Also, he's in his black suit. Yeah. Which is the suit that he dons when he returns from the dead because he returns unclothed, but he is not yet returning to the blue and red suit. I know a lot of people will wonder, is is he going to stay in the black suit now as Superman? Is it just that there wasn't a spare blue one in the ship? Questions well, that I can say, I guess we don't definitively know. No, but Snyder has given a, an, a in his Man of Steel commentary, he said, I guess maybe Superman is embracing a little bit of his Kryptonian heritage because the black suit is like, that's what... That's what Zod wears. That's what Jor-El wears. Like when they're around the house, like that's just their normal clothes as opposed to the, the red and blue suit would be like the ceremonial. Like the red and blue suit is what he wears when he's a symbol for mankind. The black suit is when he's just Kal-El. Yeah, and I, I think his arc to this point, and this is why BVS by the Minute is so great and why it will absolutely be followed by Man of Steel by the Minute in the future. So much of BVS of what we talked about was him wrestling to be human. And how do you get across the idea of his acceptance that he is greater than human? Yeah. Then having him don this suit, at least for a time, as a physical manifestation of the transformation he's gone through here. Well, and people say they want Superman to be about hope and optimism or or an inspiration. If you want that red and blue suit to mean something we first need to understand what it means for him to not wear it so that when he does put it on, it has weight. It actually is uh, synthesizing both sides, right? Yeah. Also, he looks super cool in it. Yes. (laughs) Like next level cool in this suit. We see Cyborg flying, we see Themyscira, we see Steppenwolf punching that bat crawler, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is all fun. But we obviously want to talk about the, let's say, Previously, Bat Tank, in this world, the War Machine, Batman's War Machine. Yeah. The gigantic tank that is seems to be adapted, well, seems to be, that is obviously adapted from The Dark Knight Returns, which was Batman's vehicle of going to absolute total war. It should, should surprise nobody. I guess the only question that someone might have is, uh, Mr. Stephen Colbert, where in the movie would this be? Oh, man, you're trying to break my brain. Um, I'm looking at the actually, backgrounds. I have a very simple answer okay. to this now that I did not before, and I don't. I can't take everyone down the whole rabbit hole because I don't think anybody has the time. Your theory? This looks like the background looks like apocalyptic wreckage, okay, a little bit, which we only see in the third act and in the nightmare. However, he's not wearing his tactical suit in this shot. He's wearing his BVS. You might say he's still wearing his BVS suit. Right, exactly. And the only place that he wears that in Justice League that we know of is in the Nightmare. But he's also wearing a trench coat there, and he's not here. However, the bat, the, the war machine would make a lot of sense as like the over-the-top nightmare thing. However, my, my thoughts on that has, have evolved as I watch more. And if you go back to the very beginning of the movie, when it pans out from Superman dying, and you see the wreckage of Stryker Island... I realized, wait a minute, that's not necessarily apocalyptic constructs in the background. And I'm actually, I, I see, I'm looking at an uncompressed 
version of the trailer now. And in the background here in, in those lights, you can actually, I think, see construction vehicles, which supports this theory that I'm about to say, which is that, ironically, I know that this is called the War Machine. I think he's doing excavation on Strikers Island uh, following the Doomsday fight. And that's why he's wearing the BVS suit. And he's discovering what is special about Strikers Island following the death of Superman. I mean, there's genetic matter. I mean, maybe he's got to find the spear. Where did the spear go? But also, we know that there's a parademon nest down yep. under there. And we know that Batman scouted the, the parademon nest based on like some concept art and other stuff. Um, and a lot of that stuff was cut. So anyway, after all of that, like, is it Nightmare? Is it Third Act? No, I think this is basically just the Bat Dozer. Yeah. It is on Striker's Island because Batman is clearing wreckage to find out WTF just happened. <laughs> I like that theory. I think the the shot that's going to stand out next in the trailer is Cyborg. Well, two things. Him working with the box and being blasted by it is, is nothing wild because that sequence of him trying to separate the mother boxes is, I mean, we, we don't know what that's going to be until that's explicitly explained what's happening there by Zack Snyder in the movie. We can wait on that and we've seen Vic moving into his, you know, cybernetic mindscape. So that can lead to all manner of things, whether it is him seeing a nightmare, him being tempted, him communing with Darkseid or the apocalyptic technology that he's made out of. But it is the shot afterwards of the Flash running with hands extended as we're getting a dramatic zoom into Cyborg's eyes that will take us into his eye faster than the Flash can grab him. That seems telling i think the big thing about what we're going to get in this movie that people need to be ready for because it's Zack snyder is that unlike the theatrical cut which doesn't really explain why any of these characters are relevant like why is flash in the justice league why is cyborg in the justice league other than they just have powers every single one of these characters has a purpose in this movie and it wouldn't be it nothing would work without them and so cyborg why is cyborg in this movie well cyborg is in this movie because he's the only one that can interface with the mother boxes literally they wouldn't be able to stop steppenwolf without cyborg's abilities why is flash in the movie he proves his value because of his ability to bend i guess at this point maybe in his career we can say time and we're seeing both of those things kind of play out here also interesting to note this shot of flash was used in the theatrical cut during Superman's resurrection. So figure out what actually happens there, <laughs> I guess, now that we put, extract that from that moment. Uh, we get shots of, of Steppenwolf grabbing the Atlantean mother box and, and Clark with his ladies. You'd love to see it. Wonder yeah. Woman fighting, etc. But this shot of the Flash with hands extended to Vic, I think if you want to talk about what we see of the Flash following that as well. Yeah, I think the, if you watch it, it's a quick thing on... If, you, if you're watching live, but if you watch it in slow motion, it's very apparent that he's running towards an explosion in this shot. But if you look at all of the effects, the explosion is happening in reverse and the ground is unfolding in front of him and the explosion is retracting into itself. So if you put these together, what happens is explosion happens and Flash reverses time. It's possible this shot of him approaching Cyborg it could be on either end of that explosion if maybe he's too late the first time and loops away and then comes back. Or maybe this is the first time, uh, his first approach, I don't know. But it's very clear he's um, he's using, this is I, what I think is the first time ever this version of Barry has 
manipulated time. Reverses time to prevent this explosion, which does happen. Yes, there is an explosion that I imagine kills the entire Justice League. And it's crazy, too, because it looks like some sort of a negative energy bomb. Like, if you look at there's just... It's not even an explosion so much as, like, antimatter or something, because there's just a black hole of... The ground is gone, but it is reassembling itself as Flash runs towards it. I don't know. I can't wait to see this in um, in in full extended motion because it it's clearly like uh, I've got a feeling that he's going to give Doctor Strange's third act a run for its money. This is where I get mad, okay? Because <laughs> Zach teased Artemis firing a, an arrow into an apocalyptic ship. Mm-hmm. That's not in this trailer, right? What instead, what we get is the Amazons having a very, very excessive Amazons and other soldiers. I think there are like what look to be I don't even know based on the Those time Romans. Yeah, that's why. That's why <laughs> like, I was going to say it, it couldn't be. But I mean, it's also you're bringing in gods and people from other areas of the oh, world. Look, that who and knows? actually, if you look at that, looks like he's taller and he's got some weird weapon that exactly. might be. That might be like a, um, not Poseidon. No, there's a guy, because there's a guy in front that I think is Atlantean, because he has what looks like a helmet that has wings on on both sides of it. And then there is what looks to be a Roman, uh, I don't know. The point is, this is awesome, and this looks to be a ship <laughs> crashing, yeah. which I would assume would be the one that Artemis was taking down yeah. as, as part of that fight, and that is awesome. Yeah. Again, this is a, the golden... It's, just, it's a beautiful shot. It is violent and it is gorgeous. The the golden age, as it's referred to in mythology, the quote unquote age of heroes. This is the gold standard, like pun intended, yeah. of, of what we're looking at, of the most heroic war in the history of Earth. Many of these characters, I, I imagine, are prototypes or the, the archetypes, the ancient archetypes of members of the Justice League. Because we also get this shot of the... Is that Atlon? No, or look, is okay. It just... I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm <laughs> not going to get into this conversation because according to DC lore, King Atlan was the one who founded Atlantis and made it. And then you can't find another king. So this is... It, it's, it's spotty at best. It's one thing that if Zach said he was coming up with his own, I would say, cool, you have the room to do it because it's basically just not been explored in that way. We see Adlan in the Aquaman movie and it is much more recent. So, uh, you know, let's... But uh, he's got the trident, though. Right? Yes, Isn't that the trident? And he has armor that is that has similar elements to the one that is carried forward onto the statue exactly. whatever, of the whatever dead Whatever exactly who it is and what he's doing. We've seen it before, but it's still epic. And the fact that we're... Oh, it's still... Yeah. And this is, I think, uh, a very clear example of what was kind of only weirdly after the fact, like, touched upon in Justice League is whoever this Atlantean king is, he is channeling yeah. power like magical energy by touching the ground. And that is what we see Aquaman do in the fight with Steppenwolf. You get the same effect. So he actually has a weapon that has that power. But yeah, this epic battle that leads into an epic battle of of our current heroes with Aquaman lining up his throw, Batman swinging through, Wonder Woman spinning over. Of note with that Batman shot, he swings in. And there's a in the background that giant turret, and we know from concept <laughs> art, and, and I'm pretty sure Zach has confirmed it. Also, Batman definitely gets behind that giant gun and kills a lot yep. of parademons with it. All, all a part of the third act battle. Which, if I had to pick one part of the movie that is going to be completely different, that would be it. 
And then we get, of course, Superman punching something and then bla- Heat Vision blasting that same something likely with what looks to be a boom tube behind him. I guess we should we should say a boom tube, uh, a door open to Apocalypse. It's a great example of the aspect ratio. The cropping on this, when you bring in the aspect ratio, brings it up to like the bottom of the S emblem and cuts off like down to his forehead. Yep. A good example of what's so great about this square aspect ratio, but also an example of just because we've seen certain bits of footage before does not mean that we we understand. I mean, even stuff like that flash shot from earlier. Yeah, sure, we've seen that exact same shot before in a totally different place in the movie for a totally different reason. This shot really sells to me that if Darkseid or Steppenwolf was waiting until Superman, you know, the god is dead yeah. to try to take Earth, this is like the god is alive and you are doomed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... I think someone even joking... Or not jokingly, someone um, sanctimoniously on Twitter referred to this as like a wrathful, vengeant god. Um, to which oh, yeah. I would say, yeah... I, I think that's what it's supposed to yeah. be. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Where, 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 when did we start pretending that Superman doesn't get mad? <laughs> <laughs> or use heat vision. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the the I think Jay, Jay Oliva, the storyboard artist that works super closely with, with Zach, it might have even been this exact same shot that he, he released a storyboard of, I think has described Superman in this final battle as unchained. Yeah, well, even him drawing those stones to his hand. And circling them is like you're you're making the step that he is not a person in the world. He's a person that can literally alter it. Yeah. Very good. Probably some of the coolest seconds of Superman in, in well, I mean, I was going to say in film, but like, of course it is because this is just next level. Yeah. That is, it's a good moment to choose. And then we get a return uh, of that line. You know, they said the Age of Heroes would never return. Uh, it will. It has to. And then we get, I'll, I'll call it out here because this was new terminology to me being a, you know, wayward Canadian who was outside of the HBO ecosystem. But we obviously get the Zack Snyder's comes up first. Justice League, a Max original, which is the term that it should be referred to as. That HBO Max is a service or platform. This is a Max original. It is not the original movie of some guy named Max. It is not an HBO Max original. Get with the branding, people. It's a it's a brave new world out there. And while we're moving into the crazier parts of this trailer, yeah, the, I'm I'm always very curious about like watching trailer reactions for this. I've watched a few of them. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. When did you realize that Joker literally says we live in a society? And did you know the relevance of that line when you heard it? The relevance of that line is a meme. Just the fact that it's the notion that Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder had Joker literally recite a like Joker meme as the first line of dialogue we ever hear him say. So I saw the first thing I said was Joker literally said we live in a society. Yeah, okay. And the weird thing about that is, for me, that fits not only with Jared Leto's Joker, but it it fit perfectly. I think the photos, or the photo of him sitting in that surgical... Yeah. You know, in the surgical strips, definitely set up of like, oh, he's entered the pontificating stage of his life. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to say things that would be as likely to be insightful as... Just it's grandiose and like self-righteous, you know, because he's so uh, above it all. Well, so when he, someone said he literally says we live in a society, I was like, oh, yeah, that would be the kind of thing that would come out of his mouth. Absolutely. Because he's he's not having fun anymore. 
is what well, that photo got across, right? A dude whose life's purpose is to create anarchy now finds himself in a world that is run by anarchy and the only person he can find, my my impression at least, the, the closest thing to an enemy to him is the dude trying to instill control over humanity via oppressive means, which would be Darkseid. Like the nature of the anti-life equation and the kind of oppressive control that Darkseid has seems like something Joker would despise. And who knows if he likes the nightmare world and the anarchy that it has or or not, but he definitely doesn't, I don't think, would approve of Darkseid's turning everyone into parademons. That seems very boring to me. I think that's something Joker would find boring. Let's say cheating. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Like, that's not, you're not, his whole thing was perspective. But Darkseid, this kind of fascism, you know, this like tyrannical fascism is, that's not a part of it. You don't have to, th I don't care how you think, I'll make, I will force you to think my way. That's like the antithesis to what is exciting to him about dealing with Batman. Traditionally, right. again, we've had almost nothing of who Joker is in relation to Batman. If that is the basis of what Snyder is doing, then it might as well be a new character. Well, and I think what's fascinating about this also is he's, Snyder has created a world, this nightmare world, and I think the, especially the people who hate the notion of Batman carrying guns and all that, obviously they're going to miss the, because they, they missed the context in the first place, but they're going to miss the irony of this moment where Batman approaches Joker carrying a gun and Joker pontificates to him about living in a society where honor is a thing of the past. For anyone who thinks Batman shouldn't carry a gun or follow a no-kill rule or whatever, to me that feels very much like Joker is like, Oh, so now you see things the way I see them, don't you? What a crazy time we live in, Batman, where you would come to me for help. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think Jared Leto's approach to this character is totally within the inherently sketchy like realm of what is Joker as a character. Taking it into the nightmare, you're already saying what if? Like that's that's a natural part of it. So I really like I really like his uh, I like his approach to the character on its own. Like, Joker is most interesting opposite Batman. We were kind of touching on earlier, I would say Superman is most interesting when he is with other heroes. So, you're only adding to it more by having this literally dreamlike change in filmmaking, being Batman meets Joker. is such a cool uh, I'm, I couldn't be more primed to see, like, Chris Terrio writing Jared Leto's Joker opposite Ben Affleck's Batman? Gimme. That's just so cool. I couldn't be more on, on more on board for it and him saying, we live in a society. <laughs> there's, something, there's something hilarious about Joker wearing a GCPD SWAT vest sitting in the ruins of what used to be a society pontificating Same, yeah. about the society that like... <laughs> <laughs> saying the most what he thinks is wise but is like the most edgelord but if society has literally crumbled then it's like oh then it isn't anymore it like becomes a weird also the fact that he is saying that to an audience that lives in a society where honor no longer matters like there yeah. is no shame there is no integrity anymore the the meta level of it is one of my favorite parts also because this is a product of the october additional photography and leto well well this is a part of snyder's vision it wasn't necessarily going to be in this movie originally but since he had the opportunity he added it back in but the notion of jared leto whose joker got screwed over 
in Suicide Just Squad as much. Yeah. B- by the studio. And Chris Terrio, multiple times over by several studios, had his work screwed over. Obviously, that's already a Predator handshake moment of let's get them. And then you add in there that this is in Zack Snyder's Justice League. And like you look at all of those individuals and their place in the zeitgeist and the Snyder Cut's place in the zeitgeist and its general perception by, I don't know, establishment media or whatever you want to say, the memes or the, the jokes about it. And the fact that that audio literally plays directly over that logo for Zack Snyder's Justice League. I don't know if a flex is even the right word, but it's balls. I mean, they've got balls to to do this, <laughs> and I love it. It's a victory lap. Yeah. That feels like a victory. I mean, also, like, I'm, I'm of the mind. I'm falling into the camp that assumes literally 99% of the people that see this movie will have never heard that sentence spoken before ever. Exactly, or read, yeah. Because I think it's, it's one of those things that very few people will appreciate the what is happening in that moment. And also the presentation in the trailer gives it a context that maybe it doesn't necessarily have in the movie, like the context of it being over the title card and all of that stuff. But he's dunking on film Twitter is what he's doing. This is Snyder and Chris Terrio and Jared Leto dunking on the people that love to snicker behind their back. You want an edgelord fantasy? I'll give you an edgelord fantasy. Like that's 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 what this this reads as. Jared to me. Leto's Joker in the nightmare saying we live in a society. Well, and I feel like that was... Car. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like that was even his pitch when he was like, "Look, I want to get five minutes of original photography. I'm gonna bring in Jared Leto, and I'm gonna make him say we live in a society. In this trailer, will break all viewing records. Like, I, I literally would, wouldn't be shocked if that if that was his pitch on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a society. We'll be trending. Yeah, I mean, it trended at like uh, worldwide all day. Create that line in the first place. And whoever edited the trailer, I'm going to assume Zack Snyder, because it's a Snyder movie and he does his trailers. And whoever um, edited the trailer is a marketing genius for putting the most meme-worthy line ever uttered in a blockbuster movie ever over the title card for Zack Snyder's Justice League to cement the fact that that is the shot of the movie that would go viral as people shared that clip of it for the memes. Um, I don't know. It's, I don't know. There's, there's only so many ways to say it, but I, it's, I just, I love everything about it. Yeah. And if there's one thing that I am going to not have any, I am not going to, I'm not going to form any thoughts on whatsoever until I've seen the whole thing. It is what Zack Snyder brought Jared Leto back to do in this movie yeah exactly well there's the obvious question of like it's almost like he rounded up all the people that deserved justice not all of them i mean you know there's david ayer and others who but like i I feel like redeeming leto's joker um you can hear that right yes okay so let me I feel like bringing back Leto's Joker in and of itself is a little bit of redemption for Ayer, but um, it's also like there there was so much stuff that went on that there's a lot of behind the scenes and meta reasons why I think this is notable, but also because of how Snyder has described it fits into the story and is relevant to the story, I feel like it does at least have the potential to significantly elevate 
where they are taking this and kind of where Batman's headspace is when society collapses. The change from Man of Steel to Batman v Superman to Justice League is going to be such a neat thing to discuss after the fact of how it went from a, a very intimate to mythological to mm-hmm. now what is this going to be is, is has me really excited. That's something we will be breaking down in massive detail when we actually start doing the, the minute-by-minute breakdown of the full movie when it's released, but just having these samples has me excited that there are like, there's even going to be multiple ways to dissect that stuff. So yeah, I've been excited for this movie since I learned that it existed in you know late 2017, early 2018 and knew that this was like something that could happen. And so I, I don't need to say that this trailer got me excited for it because it didn't need to, but I was shocked at, for how hyped I already was, then see all of these things that we've been talking about in here and be like, whoa, wait a minute. Zack Snyder is one of the few filmmakers out there who you can come up with a crazy idea and be like, no, like most people, like I've, I've trained myself to like, whenever I encounter like a crazy fan theory for a movie or whatever, I say, nah, they don't do that kind of thing. People don't make movies like that. That's not the kind of thing that you can expect to happen in one of these movies. The only time where I'm ever like, oh, wait, they did it. I can't believe they did that is in a Snyder movie. But that will do it. That does it for the first official trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League, a Max original releasing March 18th, 2021. I've got a couple ideas for some things that, you know, there may be some more marketing stuff that we'll want to break down at some point. And one of the next times you uh, see your podcast app update with, uh, with this show will be us talking about this actual movie. Having said that, still pinching myself that this is a real thing that we're going to be able to talk about, I am as excited to continue dissecting Batman v Superman uh, a minute at a time. Well, even just doing this breakdown, I think, shows how significant the connections between the two are and the thematic references. And I mean, if you're listening to this, definitely also listen to that. You, you know, we've gotten so much out of it. I mean, even if we weren't publishing those episodes, I would be fully satisfied with the discussions we've had about that that movie and and i'd just be sad that you didn't get to share them with us yeah batman v superman by the minute justice league by the minute you can find both of them together and along with whatever else we do at snyderminute.com and if you want to support what we are doing uh, you can do that with your dollars as well as your downloads by going to patreon.com slash snyderminute we will try to do a bunch of fun stuff i don't know if we'll end up doing like we might do a first impressions review of of the movie as just something bonus on there for for people that are listening because that really will be probably just 45 minutes or an hour of us just saying this movie was so good. How good was this movie? Uh, <laughs> as opposed to the actual minute by minute breakdown, there's it's very likely that as you're listening to this, those those decisions have already been made, and you will be able to uh, make your decisions yeah. accordingly. Until next time, when we start breaking down this movie, as much as Zack Snyder's Justice League is a sequel to Batman v Superman, Justice League by the minute is going to be a sequel to Batman v Superman by the minute because so much is going to tie explicitly together that if you have the time, and I assume you do, BVS by the minute has a whole lot of stuff to listen to that I can now more than ever say is going to lead directly in to what we are talking about with Justice League. And while we didn't start with Man of Steel, I have no doubt it's going to lead into that as well uh, as, as what was working here that ultimately 
ultimately, as part of the Superman story, as you called it, Stephen, is going to be paid off or or echoed or, or called back to pretend that the the podcast can exist separately is like saying the, as that the movies can. Yeah, exactly. And in a weird way, I'm actually really excited about doing Man of Steel by the Minute in retrospect as opposed to leading off with it. I feel like there's so yeah. much more that we bring to it having tackled these other ones first. Um, not that it would have been like you know lacking. To, to start with that one, but big things to come. SnyderMinute.com. You'll find it all there. I have never been more excited for any movie in my life. Yeah, I think probably the same. March 18th, we will see you then. We live in a society where honor is a distant memory. Isn't that right? Right.